Hello again and welcome to Sex and Violence, the punk rock movie podcast where we're just going to be talking about tits, cutting people open, and uh, all sorts of punk rock shit like that. My name is Ryan Snyder. I'm here with your co-host, Gabriel. Gabriel Mara. Thank you, everybody. Also, don't forget, Ryan, um, we're, we're trying to be equal right? Equal here. That like, Let's hope for some dicks as well. Let's, let's, be, let's be classy. That's a good point. I like tits, though, so much. So Yeah, God, I love me. breasts. So what did you see this week, man? Oh, God. Um, what did I see this week? I just uh, Yesterday I saw Silence, the new Martin Scorsese movie. Um, yeah, we were texting about that. Did you you didn't think it was overly long? Like it was, it's like a three hour long movie. No, I, right? I, I yeah, it's, it's long. It's one hundred and sixty minutes, so it's just shy of three hours. That's a commitment. But it it was long, very long. But it was really good. It totally kept up. That uh um, personal news time kind of thing. That um, I was raised Catholic. I was pretty hardcore Catholic. I was like an altar boy and everything. Wow. No, I was really involved in like being in the church and everything. And then, you know, I got older, I watched Dogma, you know, like every young foul-mouthed young man is, like, bound to do. And then I started questioning the whole faith thing. So, like, I'm, I'm now a, like, agnostic, lapsed Catholic. It was a very complicated, beautiful, really brutal watch, and it's all about... It's something that's very near and dear to me, the whole concept of why does why is God silent when terrible things are happening? And it's a very even-handed, measured uh, kind of look at that whole thing. I really, really, really liked it. I think it's a new top five for me somewhere in there the last year. Top five for the last year. Oh, yeah. How does it stack up with uh, the rest of the Scorsese movies in your eyes? Um, it might be my new favorite Scorsese film, like, all together, like, all things considered. Really? That even though it's three hours, if you were like, hey, we, we wrapped up early, do you want to go see Silence? I'd be like, yeah, let's go see Silence again. Okay, that's... That's high praise. It's really high. You know, like, like I'm a, I am very brutal in my ratings of movies. Like, I didn't like La La Land that much. In your face, world. But it was good, and whatever. But this movie, I was, it knocked me on my ass. Maybe because I had a personal attachment to it. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it, it was phenomenal. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Very nice. What uh, about you, Ryan? What did you see this week? Uh, I watched Hell or High Water on recommendation from you, Hell lazily yeah. on my couch uh, yesterday afternoon, so it was one of the first times lately that I haven't watched a movie at like one in the morning, uh-huh. and I actually watched it with the wife. Um, she fell asleep during it, but <laughs> you, again, her tastes are awful, I don't know. Havana it, Nights. Yeah, Havana Nights, that's all you gotta say. <laughs> I really I really dug it, I thought it was super cool, it wasn't like a typical like bank robbery movie like i hesitate to say like bank robbery movie with heart uh-huh. there's a little bit of heart in there yeah for sure oh, even the though they, stuff is amazing. the brother stuff's amazing and i mean they're going after the the money to like get the the farm back from the bank and like mm-hmm. they both well, the they, both the brothers like hated their mother but yeah. i think they hated the bank more i think what i love about that movie so much is that it meets out information so slowly they're not really clear on the whole like why they're doing it for a little while yeah for a it long time like, and it's one of those movies that respects your intelligence so much that it doesn't like hold your hand and then eventually just kind of like like oh that's what they're doing i get it and ben foster is just so damn good in it he's so crazy he does crazy so, so well like the there was the scene uh that stuck out to me was uh how he acted at the casino where he's like yeah. getting in the uh, Native American guy's face and then like getting all up in that hooker's grill for uh-huh. like trying to give his brother a little handy. <laughs> oh, I'm the only one who touches my brother. Um, who directed that again? Oh, jeez. I don't even know. I don't have it on the shelf anymore because I... Google. Uh, yeah, to Google, I guess, away. Uh, Stop for time, Ryan. I just ended up... Um, the reason I don't have it on the shelf is uh, this is going down the path of like... You recommend to me, I recommend to somebody else. So uh-huh. I had a, a friend of ours here that was uh, hanging out last night eating dinner with us, and I pulled that off the shelf for him because generally when people come to hang out and have dinner with me, I generally end up 
sending them home with like three movies to watch because <laughs> that's who I am. Uh, all right, the director is David McKenzie. He did a couple, like he's a real chameleon. I actually want to check out all his rest of his stuff. Okay, so back into uh, the movies, uh, man. Uh, what did we watch this week? Um, it was your choice. Uh, it was Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance, uh, made in 1972, directed by Kenji Misumi. It's a fantastic uh, movie. Uh, well, the first one's not as fantastic, but it's it's a, it's all. <laughs> it's uh, a famous movie. It's very famous. Uh, it's a, a series of six films, and I've watched a couple of them now. And the first one does get better as you watch more of them. Uh, but it's the first one's all about setup. Uh, you might know it from uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. They watch uh, Shogun Assassin yeah, when they meet up. Yeah, in the eighties and nineties when it came out in America, they edited it into one movie called Shogun Assassin. I think two movies, Shogun Assassin Two, and it's just like uh, because they figured you know us dumb Americans probably wouldn't understand. Yeah. They just kind of cut it into like an awesome slashy supercut. Yeah, so. they took like I think ten minutes out of the first one. Uh, sort of vengeance, and they took like a really big chunk out of the second one, which I think is Baby Cart. Uh, the 80s, something like that? It's Baby Cart uh, at the River Sticks is the second wow. one. Uh, so they did those two movies together, and they just cut out all the, you know, the really nice background stuff and put in all the violence, which I'm okay with, cause, but like seeing the movie in its first purest form, I guess I'm a little less okay with it now. Uh-huh. Uh, I just don't like the super cut of it. Like, leave the movie be pure. If dumb Americans don't like these movies, then dumb Americans don't like them. I am a dumb American, and uh, I really like this movie. This first, like for my like spoiler for my thoughts on it, that I thought it was really cool, but I think part of me was like, wow, this is a lot of repetitive backstory. That it really is. I kind of get the point because like at one point we knew I were watching it, and it's like, oh, did the movie start over? Because it's like. Like, the movie's, like, in two halves. One half is, like, a little mini-narrative of him, of, uh, Ogami Ito, the main guy played by Tomi Saburo Wakayama. He's just walking his baby with the carriage, and then he gets into some antics. And there's also, like, intercut of flashbacks to his setup, to, like, his origin. And then it cuts to him walking along again, and he gets embroiled in another thing. I'm like, oh, you know, he probably could have skipped all that. It did, it did seem... A little bit unnecessary but that's just kind of like my my need to cut everything down much shorter i understand it is definitely a movie of two halves and like there is a like the second half especially does slow down very much and it's it's not as much fun as the first half is especially with the uh, uh well again i guess we forgot to mention this at the top but uh spoiler spoiler mm -hmm. spoiler for everything we talk about from We're now until show, eternity right? Uh, if you haven't watched this movie, I don't know why you're listening to this. Yeah, it's a good point. Or unless you just want to know how awesome it is and let me uh, sell you on it. Uh, so it really does, uh, it's the two halves, like we said. Um, I told you before we started watching the movie, uh, when this movie's good, it's really good. Oh, yeah. But when it's slow, it is fucking molasses. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit tougher, especially towards that second half. Um, there's a part where they get to this, like, uh, like what is it, like a spa town that's been taken yeah. over by these uh, bandits. Before we go into this, do you want to give a quick summation of what the movie is, just like T to B? Yeah, T to B. All right, so top of the movie, it's uh, pretty much uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. It's uh, Ito Ogami as he mm -hmm. uh, walks across the land with his infant son, and they walk, they walk the path of the demon, which is uh, they're just assassins, essentially. Uh, so backstory on them is... Uh, Somebody broke into his little house. He was the uh, the preeminent assassin for the shogun, mm -hmm. and uh, they put like a little trinket in his like prayer room, which identifies I, I him as a traitor. Oh, I looked it up. What that means, and actually, that's kind of one of my questions for you. We're in this whole thing. It's uh, well, first I'll explain it. 
that they put a uh, funeral token for the, for the Shogun. They planted it there, which the implication is that it means that um, Ito is hoping the Shogun will die so he'll progress. So okay. it's kind of like, like hanging up like a secret like kill the queen sign in your house in Britain. Gotcha. So it's like, how dare you betray the king? It's like, oh, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. And my question was, to follow up on that, is... So, how familiar are you with Japanese culture, Ryan? Were you ever a Japanophile? Was that, like, growing up? Were you? I know you're not really an anime guy, so... Not really. I, I, I mean, I, I, that is one of the places I've really... It's it's on my bucket list of a country to get to eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from being, like, in the restaurant industry, like, seeing the way that the, the Japanese treat their culture, with uh, especially in regards to making food. Um, it's really beautiful if you ever watch, like, Mind of a Chef on, you, uh, not YouTube, uh, Netflix. It was a PBS show. Oh, word, yeah. And they have, uh, there's an episode where one of the chefs goes to Japan, and it's it's just beautiful. And there's a part where the chef starts crying while he's Aww. eating. Because it's so, <laughs> he's so impressed, and, like, everything's he's just, pussy. it's so, yeah, he's a dick. Uh, <laughs> I really, Sushi's so good. I guess I really haven't been, like, a huge proponent of, like, Japanese culture until as of, like, late. Because mm-hmm. I've really got into this whole samurai genre fairly recently, so it's been uh, something I'm a little bit more trying. I'm trying to become a little bit more familiar with it, uh, but right now it's more like, hey, they have swords and they're mm-hmm. killing people. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> uh, my uh, probably the biggest, the closest I got to uh, Japanese culture was uh, you know, taking a couple like martial arts lessons mm-hmm. back in the day. I don't know that. It's awesome. Yeah, just a few. Um, I I grew up super, super into Japanese culture. Like, I was in the anime club. So, like, I have a preoccupation with it. I definitely did growing up. I've kind of come out of it that, like, I've talked to other anime fans of the same age. You know, like, I'm I'm 29. That most people my age, like Ryan, that we all watch Dragon Ball Z, rush it, like, running home from school. You can talk to pretty much any millennial male and ask about Dragon Ball Z. You'll have a conversation about it. But I was really obsessed with Japanese culture for so long. And I studied it. I'm a big Kurosawa fan. That my, like, I probably got into being, like, a cinephile because of Japanese film. And I have a soft spot for it always. So I studied, you know, like, stuff about Bushido and the culture and the history. So, like, there's, if there's any, like, weird, like, cultural questions, because we plan on doing the whole Lone Wolf and Cub series here. Ryan, if you have any weird questions about the culture, I should probably be able to answer it. Like, for example, um, Walking the Path of a Demon, that he's, like, like he's a completely guaranteed himself to be an outcast. That if you're um, if you're a jobless samurai, if you're a ronin, you're just you're trash. That you are. That is something I am familiar with, like yeah. the the idea of what a ronin is and how that's like completely disgraceful to mm-hmm. be. So I was familiar with that. Like it's, a, I guess I'm a little bit more familiar with like some of the samurai things. Like when we watched, uh, well, separately when you gave me the copy of. Uh, Harakiri. Love that And one. cutting off the top knots. Yeah. And everything like that. Like, there's certain things that are just, like, so super disrespectful. And, like, yeah. you lost your top knot, now you look like a dick. Well, not even that you look like a dick. You have to kill yourself. Yeah, because like, somebody you cut your hair your for honor. you. Yeah. That it's it's an interesting culture that I found very fascinating for a long time. I, I thought that I don't now, but very I definitely res- found Like, very respect-honor-based. Oh, yeah. Like, all the things I've seen. Like, you must kill yourself in an honorable yeah. manner. <laughs> I found that to be such a... What a... What a completely different worldview from the West. Yeah. It's oh, so kill yourself. Tr- Best thing you could do. Yeah. Wow. Just get right on top of it. Uh huh. Like the opening of this movie. I love the shit out of that opening of the baby. That I think what a great way to open up this series. It sets up that even a child with no responsibility for the honor of the whole family, a, a the little lord has to commit harakiri. 
And, yeah. so, and that's what um and that's how you meet um Ito. He cuts the head off a baby. That's how you meet your hero in this movie. That's fucking crazy. I loved it. It was so it's that's really what sold me on it like immediately because mm-hmm. I got that Criterion box set just from like the the box art like pretty much sold me and then I started looking into uh the series itself and I watched a couple of clips online and I was like oh my god I have to own this. <laughs> so when I, when that was like the first thing I was like yeah I'm pretty much in love with this now. Mm-hmm. You just killed a fucking baby. You are so <laughs> metal so you transcended punk rock. You went straight to metal. Hell yeah. Yeah, it goes it, it just from there, it kicks off. Like we said, uh, putting the uh, the thing in the, the little trinket in the thing, hoping yes. that the, the Shogun dies. And then what? Like they go in and somebody murders his wife. And uh, they leave the baby alone, thankfully, even though yeah. he just killed the baby. Yeah, uh, I'm not so, sure what the point behind that was. That, yeah, so it's crazy. Uh, dude comes to his house at like the, uh, essentially the the Japanese samurai police come to his house and start mm-hmm. asking questions. They find the little trinket. They accuse him of being like a traitor and he just goes ape shit and starts, uh, you know, cutting dudes cutting down. Dudes down. And then, uh, he dresses in the ceremonial white, which I do know that's another one. The, uh, mm-hmm. black and white is reversed cause it's like black to weddings and like yes. white to funerals. Yep. It's a very strange thing. It's all about purity. Yeah. So to speak. So, uh, he dresses himself and his little son, Daigoro in, uh, these like white ceremonial gowns and he sits across from Daigoro and like puts a giant samurai, his giant samurai sword into the floor Mm -hmm. and right next to it, there's a little ball. So this kid's like, what, like a year and a half old and he starts speaking to him. He says, I know that you're not going to understand anything that I'm saying to you right now, but the blood in your veins will force you to make a choice. If you go to the ball, I'll kill you. I'll send you to go <laughs> with your in mother. In a good way, I'll kill, a, you. I'll kill you so you don't have to like walk this, suffer this terrible, suffer this shameful life. road. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the samurai sword, then you're gonna walk the path of the demon with me. And it's it's like a ninety second little thing where it's like, is he going to the ball? And then uh-huh. of course he goes to the samurai sword and touches it, and then another scene of insanity ensues where mm-hmm. guy comes to his house to watch him and his son commit ritual suicide and then he just starts laughing in his face and he's like no uh i'm actually wearing white because i'm gonna kill you yeah. and he proceeds to cut dudes down while holding a goddamn baby <laughs> which is so freaking cool to me mm-hmm. um and then he gets outside uh outside the gates after cutting down so many guys and there's another like big bad there and they promise him... Uh, I think the big bad is uh, Yagyu. Uh, yeah. Who is supposed to be like... So the def- like the separation between the two families that uh, Ito is the samurai, is the shogun executioner family, very highly ranked. And the other guy is Yagyu. They're like the shogun spies. So they're... I think yeah, there's like are. different arms because they they, yeah. they want to control all divisions of, yeah, this, of the uh, shogun's, of the shogun's like, 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 rights thing. Yeah. But uh, so... This he's like basically like a rival like office to the shogun who set him up for clear clearly set him up to be taken down and it's the old man of Ret Retsudo. Yeah, I think that that sounds right. Yeah, but he's like the old gray guy who's just like like how dare you blah 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 blah. Yeah, he's like really kind of like almost like the he's such a stereotypical like old like Japanese villain because they do a lot of like super close-ups on uh-huh. him and he's got such a really strange voice and it's like really rapid fire angry talking mm-hmm. it is it's really bizarre but he, he he almost has like a supernatural quality to him yeah like the uh a few minutes before this whole scene there was uh the at the end of the first fight scene where he's in the water mm-hmm. um 
and this uh, Ritsudo is like watching Ito in the water fighting these other dudes. And he's like, don't go into the water. Don't you know that he's a, a crazy water master? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so confused by that. I was like, I didn't know that. But apparently when Ito <laughs> gets in water, he's, you he's know. He's even better. He's, he's like Aquaman. Yeah, he's like Aquaman, but not useless. And he's just <laughs> cutting dudes down in the river. But yeah, so he gets outside the gate and this dude's like, you know, mad dogging him a little bit, just grilling mm-hmm. him like, hey, you, you're going to die. And uh, the, he, he says he's going to let him leave the province that he's in and his people won't like, screw with him outside this province but only if he wins this duel Uh so he sets him up to like a duel with like his finest like you know samurai duelist and uh the great line is like one warrior has a baby on his back and the other has the sun at his back each of them is carrying something this day Mm -hmm. so they're just like running straight at each other and uh (laughs) ito just ducks his head down and he's got a mirror taped to his little baby's head Uh and it blinds the dude and just like off with yeah. the guy's head. It's pretty It's pretty metal. It like, the first great. half of this movie, I can't praise it enough because the first half makes you think, like, wow, this is what the whole, like, first 40 minutes is. I can't <laughs> wait to see the rest of it. And then we go back on the road and... It goes back to just, the screeching halt to yeah. set up another story. And it's like, oh, jeez. I, I think that is because that they were faithful adaptations to um, the manga made by Kazuo Koike, who is, um, he also wrote the movie. So mm-hmm. I think it was the faithful adaptation of like volume one stories one through four, then volume one stories like five through eight or something. Okay. I have, I couldn't find my, I have book one from somewhere. Like I bought it like in junior year of high school, but I think it was just a faithful adaptation of it, which is just not so great for a movie. Cause it does hit a really grinding halt there. Like, it's like, Oh, awesome. He fucking cut his head off using a baby mirror head. It was awesome. And then it's back to him walking and more boobs. And I'm like, well, I like boobs. Yeah, I guess we'll go back with this. <laughs> I mean, that's another. That's this hits upon the the sex angle for our show mm-hmm. right now. They, Ryan, was this movie sexy? It was. A, no, I wouldn't say it's sexy as much uh-huh. as it is like sad sexually. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> all the all the presence of sex and breasts and such are always kind of it's like, like I'm a little uncomfortable. Tinged of tragedy and like yeah. malice. It's and like, the huh. first five minutes, some random broad like pulls her tit out and is like trying to shove it into Daigoro's mouth, mm-hmm. and this is like on screen like baby mouth and like nipple like Mm -hmm. centimeter away from each other and it's like total product (laughs) of the 70s in my eyes uh Mm -hmm. and then later like when he's at uh like an hour later into the film once we get to that second half where he's at the smuggler's cove Mm -hmm. uh spa resort like the guy who hires him he hires him to go take out these like like bandits smugglers whatever they are in a spa town and that's kind of all there is to it. Another instance of nudity in this movie that happens is they walk into the town and there's these bandits are just like ra- like raping this girl. Mm-hmm. Her dad tries to come and like intervene. And that's when we get like that kind of like Quentin Tarantino-esque like random weapons. It's uh-huh. got like the uh, the chain with the blades around it that he throws oh, yeah. and like chokes the guy out. And then uh-huh. they end up killing this poor girl. Uh, and then and we the go, f- Yeah, and the dad. Both dead like within like 30 seconds of each other. And then we go further into it, and, like, they've got everyone who's, like, at this little spa resort thing Uh in, like, separate cabins. Yeah, a little spa town. Mm -hmm. Uh, In, like, little separate cabins, keeping them separated. So they bring uh, Ito in, and he's going up to, like, the boss. They're bringing him into the boss to, like, see what's up, and he's asking him his name because he thinks he recognizes him. Ito Mm -hmm. gives him a fake name, and then... uh, Bob Jones. Yeah, Bob Jones, (laughs) samurai extraordinaire. (laughs) 
Uh, then one of this guy's like little lieutenants like throws a uh, like a little like needle at him. And he just kind of like barely moves his head and gets his head out of the way. And uh, it's like it's very subtle like badass moves that he's giving off because it's like Ito just has this look. It's like, dude, don't fuck with me, please. I just uh-huh. want to get through this and like uh, I'm gonna kill you guys all in like 30 minutes. But mm-hmm. like if we can do this like you know nice and easy. Why was he biding his time? Do you think I I could not figure it out. Why did, why did he not just was he, was he waiting for like the big boss to show up? I think like waiting for an opportune moment i guess because like if you're going in like like you're being brought in and interviewed to see like what kind of an ultimate badass you are you don't want to tip your cards right away That's just because then everyone's on edge right there you can't mm-hmm. get the drop on everyone you got everyone in one place that yeah. makes sense yeah so he gets them all in that one place so from that little meeting of uh, him lying about his name he walks away and that guy the big boss of the town's still looking around like oh man i swear to god i recognize that uh-huh. guy but Oh, I guess his name's Bob Jones, uh, Samurai Extraordinaire. <laughs> so they throw Ito and Daigoro in this uh, little cabin with another group of, you know, people. Ruffians. Ruffians. And uh, these, like, ultimate badass lieutenants are in there, like, fucking with the tenants. And they're, like, they're giving this uh, this hooker, like, a lot of shit. And she's giving it right back. Mm-hmm. They call her uh, a pillow thief. So she's a hooker, so she's stealing things, you know, while her head's still on the pillow. Oh, man. Um, and then they start, like... They threaten to kill her mm-hmm. uh, if, like, uh, they threaten to kill her if Ito will sleep with her. Like, um, that's the they, way it, they, like, won't They're, they're going to kill her. I think they, they insult the both of them, and she's like, leave him alone. And it's like, like we're going to kill you and him unless you have sex with her. And Ito's like, stone-faced. And she's like, no, he would never do that. Leave him alone. Like, he would never like, lower himself, because I guess a hooker <laughs> is still of worse than a ronin. I guess so, must be. And then eventually, like 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 a true gentleman, just Ito stands up, disrobes, and she's like, oh, you're going to fuck me to save our lives? And it's he just... So, and it's, uh, a re- I, it's a really tastefully shot sex scene, I think, actually. Yeah, it's weirdly, like, dramatic. It's not like 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 pow pow. It's yeah, just, it's it's not a gratuitous like. It's uh, weirdly sensual. It's weirdly sensual. It's rather sweet. Mm-hmm. And it was at this point during the movie that uh, my wife had come home. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the two of us on the couch watching this goddamn movie, and she's like, "What in the name of fuck are we watching?" And I was like, eh, a it's, "Classic." Eh, it's Ogami. Like he's he's saving this girl's he's life. He's saving her. I swear to God, he's saving yeah, her. Yeah, like, like, watch, wow, she's gonna be super grateful in a second. Yeah. She totally was. She was. So afterwards, uh, he obviously goes into the, uh, the little, uh, hot spring to scrub himself down so he doesn't mm-hmm. get the syphilises. Sure. Uh, and then she jumps in and joins. And then there's really not much that goes on in that scene. It's a yeah, rather no. wasteful scene. It's I, just another random scene where it's like, grown man, naked woman, and naked child. Yeah. Like, I, I wanna see if we can, like, if there are any interviews of the little kid who played Daigoro, because I think it was the same kid all throughout. They, sh- they shot all six movies within like two years of each other? Uh, within, well, I think it was like a movie a year. Oh, okay. Because he gets, maybe I'm wrong, but I know that there was like a couple instances where they were like out like within the same calendar year of each other. Uh-huh. It's really strange because like with like how it's listed on like the Criterion set and how it's listed in like uh, Japan and when they came out, it's... it's a weird 70s foreign film, so nobody's really mm-hmm. nailing down dates. Um, sure. I've, I've seen it all over the board online about like <laughs> release dates of it, but somebody can prove me, yeah. prove uh, the correct dates online or just, just, just for not looking looking hard enough at this shit. Uh, so after that, we finally get to like our big scene. Mm-hmm. They, uh, the 
bandits decide that they're going to uh, abandon Spa Town mm -hmm. and go somewhere else. And they say, hey, just uh, we're going to let all you guys live. Just don't say a goddamn word about anything that you've seen uh -huh. here. Any like any one of us. That's very generous uh, Just to them. prove that we're uh, we're fucking serious about this, we're gonna kill this entire cabin of people, which happens <laughs> to include the hooker Ito. And there's another Ronin in there, and he's like sick though. That's mm -hmm. because they keep asking the other Ronin to fight, and he's like, <coughs> I can't do sorry, it. uh, yeah, not doing that. This, these pirates are uh, a little scary. <laughs> um, he's sick. Wink. So then they finally uh. The big boss comes out and he recognizes Ito and he's like, oh my god, that's Ito Ogami. Give him back his sword and don't you just, we're going right away, please just leave us alone. He's like super apologetic because he he's, recognizes he's that got, a killing machine is there. He's got a reputation as the ultimate badass. Mm -hmm. And the lieutenant that was earlier like throwing the little needle at him earlier was like, nah, like, I think I'm just going to fuck with him. <laughs> and decides to uh, start the whole bloodbath, which... Uh, mm -hmm. Ito orchestrates beautifully, and he kills everybody too. Because yeah. the, the main boss who's like, "No, please don't hurt me. I want to like let you just go." Uh -huh. He's like, "Nah, not good enough." Nope. <laughs> slice, slice, this slice. This is the job. Walk the path of demon, bro. Yeah, it's pretty great. And so he slaughters everyone in this town in spectacular fashion. Uh -huh. It's again these fight scenes in these movies oh, are great. really super cool. Um, so the director Kenji Misumi, he did also the um, Zatoichi movies. At least I think he did a couple of them. I think I was telling you about it. The classic of Blind Swordsman stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Same director. That, like, okay. Those are also really... Like, the first one, anyway, Like that's the only one I own. But it's this beautiful black-and-white classic samurai film with awesome, super-fast violence. That's kind of what I really miss and what I really... Like, like in my fight scenes, I miss those kind of awesome, fast fight scenes. Especially with swords. I've always I've always kind of hated it, besides, unless it's, like, Robin Hood, where it's, like, cling, clang, cling, clang, sword fighting. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't think that's how sword fighting actually works. So in these movies, it's just like slice, slice, you're dead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so quick and it's awesome. It reminded me of, uh, I, I think I said it immediately dude, when we were watching. It reminded me of like watching the bride slice people up in Kill Bill. Yeah. Like, like I said, I keep referencing Kill Bill with this, just because there are certain like flourishes in these movies that I think he like kind of like oh totally lifted yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Tarantino like borrowed wholesale from these, like that, and, like Lady Snowblood. Yeah, I've heard Lady Snowblood's like, great. He, I mean, like, they're watching it in Kill Bill. He, clearly, he was obsessed with these Yeah, movies. exactly. I mean, he's a big fan of, like, 70s, like, like schlocky uh -huh. Japanese films like this. Uh, what was the... There was another one that he had referenced with these. Oh, it was the... Like we talked about last time with the uh, the true romance thing, the Sonny Chiba films, mm -hmm. uh, Street Fighter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, like, a big part of, uh, like... Because Sonny Chiba is... Uh, Hattori Hanzo. Yes, Hattori Hanzo. It was yes. another apparently fun subversion because apparently like he's never. I think he always, like, he always played Hanzo, um, Hattori Hanzo in like the Shadow Warrior, like the TV show. Okay. Or movies, as we always was, and another fun subversion he did in Kill Bill uh, was and, that uh, no, Gordon Liu always played uh, heroes versus Pai Mei, and he finally got to play Pai Mei. That's another thing. Like Tarantino talk time. I've super yeah. loved about like um, Kill Bill One Two after doing research. It's that Pai Mei, like, legendary bad boy anti-hero villain. And, of course, obviously, the, the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad gets trained by the ultimate killer master villain in mm -hmm. Chinese legend. That's, I, like, that never occurred to me. Like, that's super badass. It is. Uh, and further on down this path from, like, Tarantino's obsession with these films, I just found this out the other day from doing research, that the, uh, the whole uh, Ezekiel 25, 17, uh -huh. or whatever it is, that's lifted from a Sonny Chiba movie. Is it really? It is. I had no idea. 
I, I don't know if it's one of the Street Fighters or not, but I do know it's from a Sonny Chiba movie. He lifted it and put it in uh, Pulp Fiction. Cool. Coming soon, the Street Fighter. We'll do it down the line. I think there's three of them, so I would really like to get into mm-hmm. them. But, uh, yeah, so that was the first one, Sword of Vengeance. Like I, like I said to you, it does get better. Uh-huh. Um, thematically, like, it's... The second one is, like, very much, like, similar to this in that it's a, a story with, like two separate stories within it mm-hmm. um but it moves a lot breezier and it's a lot right, more so there's, fun there's to watch. no backstory to add up it's just more yeah. like it's more uh just drifter story of i'm a killing machine i'm gonna meet everyone then i'm gonna kill all the bad guys kind of thing yeah you get a little bit more like story on him about like how people can like hire lone wolf and cub for uh-huh. like an assassination because they get into that which is kind of cool um yeah it just gets a lot better and a lot more like super badass with all this stuff so can't wait to watch the next one yeah i think it's gonna be great but we got we got a couple other movies to get to before we get to the next one but uh, we had some questions though for each other based on this movie what do you got for me ryan you want to go first yeah i'll take the first one for you um so i was curious did you see anything well this is pretty much what we talked about did you see anything in lone wolf and cub that influenced other films or just uh in particular other films of the genre or was it just influenced by the things that came before it uh, there's plenty in here that's that's from all over hodgepodge stuff. I mean, like, clearly Tarantino took a whole ton of it. That, like, this is a genre I've always enjoyed. You know, clearly, I, I was all about the Chanbara, like, samurai films. It was always my style. But this is, what, 73? Yeah, 72? So I think it like it had its spread far and wide. Anything that was super slashy and awesome and kick-ass, it, it took from here. Like, one of my favorites was from years ago. It was called Azumi. It's like a ninja girl kind of thing. Where she just comes into town and she kills like a hundred dudes, um, thirteen assassins. Basically, any awesome like Japanese film that had a lot of gory hack and slash stuff, I think lifted wholesale from this movie. Like this, this opened up like floodgates of just bloody awesome samurai film. I don't think there was a lot of it before in this movie, or at least if it wasn't the case, it, it was, was probably like, more it was the apex. It's like more tastefully done stuff, like your yeah, actual like, like tasteful, yeah. You're more like masterful guys doing. I think this mm-hmm. might be like the first like. How do I say like that? Like a genre film piece. Yeah, I could see that. Like actually, like giving rise to like uh, the you know Americans actually giving a shit about this stuff. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see like I growing up, a lot of my uncles were into like this kind of stuff, like the uh, the really cool martial arts films. Which I was surprised they never like showed this to me with all the other stupid random shit that I'm I sure, got to like, watch with it them. Was, but... It wasn't easy to find. That was a thing that. Yeah, it wasn't like, like big bootleg. Yeah, things it was all I a bootleg on. thing. It's kind of why I I I, I quietly like not really regret being in the digital age where you can get all these things, where the hunt isn't fun anymore. They're just, just being just rented online. It's not a big yeah. deal. Whereas I'm sure it would have been a magical thing in like 1992 or in the 80s to go shuffling through boxes in like in like comic book stores and stuff. And you find a tape of like Shogun Assassin. It's like, hell yeah, I found it. Awesome. I mean, this is like I'm glad we can see it all in this unadulterated form now, but... I don't know. I missed the hunt. Yeah, I can get that a little bit. I mean, that's why, like, I don't really buy a lot of, like, stuff on, like, movies and stuff on Amazon just because Mm -hmm. the hunt is a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, Like, for me, like, I could go online right now and purchase, like, any of the, like, 50 movies I have on my buy list. But it's just more fun to, like, kind of put it off and, like, let's check out and see if this store has it on Blu-ray and in French. Yeah. Like, that's how I, like, I really regret that I had to buy Brick online, mm-hmm. because no store had it on Blu-ray. They only had it on DVD, and I wanted the actual, like, Blu-ray release of it. For The movie doesn't need to be in Blu-ray. No. I just had to make it a little bit harder on myself. Yeah, of and course. And the only, the only place, I think, that I saw that it was, like, released, it had a really small release in, uh, 
in the US, but they released it primarily on Blu-ray in Canada. So I had uh -huh. so my uh, Blu-ray copy of Brick is in French. They, all, all the all the little like uh, writing on it, uh, but the movie <laughs> itself is like you can either watch this in English or French Canadian. There's no really Spanish cool. option That's option funny. on it. It's really funny. I bet that movie would totally work in French, like a, like a Melville thing, like Les Samurai. Well, homeboy's a known uh, what is it Francophile. Oh, where Ryan Johnson? No, uh, Joseph Gordon. -Levitt. Oh yeah, JGL. I think yeah, he's fluent in French. Yeah, he's he's a strange cat. Love that guy. Yeah. So yeah, we got off the track a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, but <laughs> um, all this, yeah, uh, inspired many things and, um, like, was a cause of many things prior to that. That um, I can't wait for you to work your way through that Kurosawa box set, because yeah. Jimbo and Sanjiro, fucking amazing double samurai double feature. It was, like, the, the original samurai western that, like, samurai stories before Yojimbo were traditional kind of samurai tales of honor mm -hmm. and such. And Yojimbo is one of the first movies that took from westerns to be all about, like, a ronin drifter comes into town and acts like a cowboy and like kills dudes plays them against both sides can't wait for you to see those okay yeah and actually funny enough callback those are from my uncle who oh awesome who should have showed me those movies years ago but That's nah, so funny. they're here now so we'll yeah, get to them now you're learning so i got one more question for you that you kind of answered the rest of my stuff as we talked but so this is a classic story basically of you know like we were saying is a drifter a cowboy walks into town gun for hire and then he lulls people into quiet then he kills them all like if there was an american adaptation like say that you ryan snyder you get like 10 million dollars that's not a lot of money but it's enough to make a movie to make an american adaptation of this what would you do with it i would not make an ad i would not remake this <laughs> At all? I, i'm so against remakes and i it it's a snapshot of its time and mm -hmm. you would not want to remake this i would be very upset if today I found out that they were going to remake Lone Wolf and Cub, because I knew I know like an American version of this would just bastardize everything that was pure mm. about it. Like the the entire cast would be whitewashed. Oh, but keep like, it. I mean, like, it doesn't have to be the exact an exact copy of it, but someone has the rights to it, and you can make your own kind of version. And also keep in mind that if you don't make it, someone who loves it, they might hire someone worse to do it. Uh, that's always one of my logical things. It's like they're yeah. gonna make a remake anyway, and it might as well be me who loves it to do it to do right by it i guess if you put those parameters on it mm -hmm. yes uh. <laughs> would you like uh last man standing it put it like in america just change every like, change the details to be an american story like i'm always for that like i, I keep on telling people that chronicle is the only like american adaptation of akira we need and i love akira mm -hmm. it takes the, that same kind of story makes it tiny and makes it distinctly american and it's still the same kind of climax rather than making a straight-up remake of Akira, which I think would be a terrible idea in American, you make it a small, you make a small personal American version of it. I would rather take that $10 million and handpick somebody mm -hmm. to make the movie and stay on as a producer role and just be like, I love these movies, <laughs> don't fuck up. All right. I, that would point. probably be what I would just do. I would just be like, eh, or maybe take like a a co-director credit in some way that mm -hmm. I would, or co-screenwriter credit Word. just to have some like hand in it but not be the overarching force just be the guy who like steadies the hand of whoever's driving the ship like, like my take on it is that I would like do it kind of road to perdition style not that I've seen that movie but I know the basic premise of mm -hmm. it but it kind of like makes it a paper moon have you seen paper moon no like we all, we're clearly never going to do that movie for this podcast but that's an amazing movie it's just uh, Ryan O'Neill and his daughter Tatum O'Neill. They play 
possible father-daughter. Neither of them's really sure. They're just like grifters in the Dust Bowl. And you take that basic premise and you make it into a violent version of it. Like, father, child, like, and then they're guns for hire in a Dust Bowl. I just love the mm. Dust Bowl. The the only, era. I think the only way you could do, like, an Americanization version of this would be, like, set it post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. which it's so overdone right cool. now. No, that could be cool. Like, do, like, a Book of Eli. Or, oh, I just thought of something crazy. Do a Lone Wolf and Cub Americanization mm-hmm. crossover with Mad Max. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be rad. Or a versus movie. I would do a versus movie. Uh Uh-huh. Although I'd be rooting for Ito the whole time. I'm sorry, Mad Max. I just love Ito so much. I mean, like, Gibson's gone, so. Yeah, I guess Tom Hardy would be the guy to go with. I gotta Um, play that video game someday. Oh, well, anyway. So that's it for my questions. You got any more for me? Yeah, I have a a couple more here, actually. Yeah. Let's see what I have. Um, Do you think a movie like this could be made today? When all its, uh, like... It's a little perverse sexually, uh-huh. and it is, like, glitzy, violent, but um, my take on this is, like, I've said this numerous times to you before, that I don't think that you can make a Goonies today. Yeah. You, don't make, you can't make something that's going to have, uh, you know, your 13-year-old, your 8-year-old, yourself, and your wife all sit down and enjoy. Uh-huh. You can't do something like that. Do you think that you can make a movie like Lone Wolf and Cub today and all its sexual violence? I think you could theoretically, but I would I would be concerned about its its quality. I think that's like someone who could put a tiny bit of money and could make a tiny version of it. But I don't think it would it would do it justice. That I could see possibly a like very very committed to being true like HBO series of it, kind of like what they do with like Game of Thrones. That's mm-hmm. it would have to be obviously hard R all the way. And it would just be a very faithful, super violent like thing, but I don't think it would happen. Ever. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's possible. But you could you could still tell stories of like sexual violence and look at Game of Thrones. But Truth. I don't think that there's a place for this anymore. I think this is just a time capsule, and it, it's a wonderful piece of '70s like lore. But no one makes these movies anymore. It just doesn't happen. It's true, and the, all the violence and sexuality in the movie is completely organic yeah. to the movie. It's not mm-hmm. like they're just to be like shocking or like or shock value at least it's it is all organic it's to itself poetic as well i mean that's what's kind of beautiful about the comics what i was saying it's that like this movie opens with breasts and child killing but it's all sad it's not supposed to be like yeah yeah it's very tragic stuff that the woman who like shoves her like the baby to her breast her baby's dead and she's gone insane and there's an old woman who's like i'm so sorry here's money for your trouble and yeah. Ito's all like, no, I'm a classy guy. Yeah. I don't want your money. Maybe we got fed. Yeah. He's very classy about it. But like you said, there's, it's it's shocking to see. And then the, the reasoning behind that woman doing that. You're like, oh. oh yeah. It's really lady. sad. So your uh, final answer. No, you can't make a movie like this today. No. I, I Can you think of any other movies that came out in recent memory that's even comparable? Something that's gleefully R and violent and still sad and quiet and smart? Like, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, not really. I'm sure if we like sat here in silence for the next 20 minutes, we could probably be able to pull a couple titles. I think it's but... a child stuff. I think that kind of gets in the way. You can't tell like, violent kid stories. Yeah, they can tell plenty of violent gun for hire, like gun for hire stories, but yeah, having a like, child in it kind of like it's it it is like man, you're ruining this little child's innocence. Yeah, exactly. We but, really should, do need to look up what happened to uh, yeah, that actor. It'd be great. He's probably at what. 72, probably like two years old, so he's probably, what, like 
He'd be, like, a friend of ours. Yeah, he would be the kind of guy who, like, comes and hangs out at our bar and we mm-hmm. talk with for three hours and get no work done. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. All right, I got one more question for you. Okay, let's do it. So, there are six total films in this series. Uh-huh. What would you want or expect from a future installment? Um, I think that's kind of cool and weird about these, like, these samurai films that, like, kind of like a Bond thing. It's, it's a basic formula, and they kind of just do it over and over again. There are, like, 28 Zatoichi movies. There's, there's a ton of them. And I'm like, I can't imagine there's much variation between each one. Zatoichi comes to town. He gets humbled. People yell at him because he's just a blind dude. And then he kills a bunch of dudes at the end. So, I don't know. I, I kind of imagine that it's, it's more of the cool formula, but different variations, different variables. It's that um, Ito and Daigoro come to town. Um, he gets hired to do some fucked up shit. Um, he has sex with some women, and he does some sweet decapitations. So as long as every movie is that, I'm sure I'm gonna enjoy it. It's like a Bond film. As long as he has sex with a woman or two, he rides some random vehicles and he does some really cool stuff. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm not expecting you know my life to be changed, but I hope it does get a little bit like. I hope it escalates a little. It's a little bit more and more gory. Like, Pick I, up the I, pace a little bit. Yeah, that'd be nice. That was a little less episodic. That had, like, one good violent story, like, top to bottom. And I wonder if they're going to get to the climax. I wonder if it's going to end the way, like, the comics end with him, like, killed and Yagyu is, like, gets killed by Daigoro. Spoilers! But, you know. For a 50-year-old comic book. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, don't, I, I, have, I, have, um, I have high hopes for these. I'm sure I'm not going to dislike any of them. If anything, I'm pretty sure this first one, Sword of Vengeance, is the only one that I was like, yeah, I was bored for some of it. Yeah. But maybe, I think it'll just get better and better. So as long as it sticks to that same basic formula of uh, Daigoro, hired, kill some people, mm-hmm. just pick up the pace a little bit and you're yeah. happy. Yeah, please. Yeah, it's Kenji. like we said, it's episodic formula. It's six total movies, so... Mm-hmm. And they were made in all less than ten years, so they were yeah. real quick. I think Back people. Back to the future two and three style. Yeah, I think people, from what I've read online, is they started hearing why people like these movies, and they started kind of diluting uh, sure. like people's opinions into the movie. So the more and more it goes on, from what I've seen, it does get a little bit quicker and a little bit more violent. I haven't gotten past three yet; still got three more to go. But I have heard that the sixth one has zombies in it. That's awesome. So I'm in. That's it gets cool. it's gonna get fucking bonkers Real from zombies. here on out. So it's uh it's Red Dead Redemption. Oh. It's like really awesome, quiet thing, and then just for shits and giggles, zombies. Yeah. I'm like cool. I'm down with that. Especially zombies probably weren't as much in fashion in the seventies aside from your George Romero's ex- yeah. as they are now. I mean throw mm-hmm. a rock and you'll hit someone wearing a fucking walking dead shirt. But yeah. I'd like to see a samurai versus zombie. That seems like something that yeah. hasn't really been touched lately. So I'm in. I'm down for checking it out how they did it forty years ago. Let's do so. it. All right, that's uh that's pretty much it for this cool. episode. Uh what are we watching next time? Um, what are we watching next time? Actually, I don't think we figured out. We got the giant list here, but you want to have it be a question mark? Sure. Um, I kind of want to do Dress to Kill, the Brian De Palma film. Okay. Uh, we'll see if it comes around. We also might do Body Double. That my next two picks are, um, violent, like not like sexual, sexually violent '80s films in America. So we'll see if those how those go. Right, yeah. But also we're doing another Lone Wolf and Cub. I believe. Yeah, I think we narrowed down how we're actually going to do our picks for. Uh, for the show now, so it's gonna it's gonna go back and forth kind of pick, and then we're gonna pepper in some special guests every now and again, a couple couple uh, friends and friends of ours, people we know that are big movie fans. Uh, we got like three people I've talked to that are down for it, yeah, for and we sure. got a couple other mm-hmm. fun ones. But so yeah, you got the next pick next time, and I gotta start thinking about what we're watching for uh, week number four. But hell yeah, well that's a, that'll pretty much do it for us. This has been Sex and Violence. I'm your host Ryan Snyder. Stay sexy and violent.
Bye, guys. <laughs>